Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic. A podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens around it. Like weird dreams. Yeah, weird dreams. We do have those. You had an interesting one lately, and then you posted something about it. I did. I had this weird dream that one of our con friends was dating me, and that as part of our dating relationship, they came out to me as a fantastical being. Wow. And, you know, in between cuddles and other dating type things, then I would learn about the cultures of this race of fantastical beings. I'm sure that was very interesting. It was. Yeah. And I found it so interesting that I did post. So I had this dream that I was dating a friend who was also secretly a fantastical being. So if any of you are interested in dating me or cryptids, let me know. And you mentioned that to me and I had actually seen it. And my thought was, that's going to confuse my cis friends and peoples. Okay. Yeah. I- they, they're... The people who are cis people, I, who are, are very binary and very... Heteronormative. Yeah. They'll be like, what's happening? Why is your wife having a almost girlfriend or something? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I thought... So my thoughts about it were, how do I explain that to like my Jesus friend or my sister or somebody, if they're like, what's going on here? And, you know, some of them have some reference to this. You know, I know my, my Jesus friend has this with his kids are, um, I don't know, are they both binary, but they're not in or feel res- like they need to be restricted to a monogamous relationship. I believe they are both bi or pansexual. Right. And at least one of them is polyamorous. I think that they both have been polyamorous at times. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he doesn't have any reference points for this or his wife wouldn't or, you know, I mean, some other people might not, but I don't know. It's late. So <laughs> I'm really trying. You are. <laughs> um, yeah. So my thoughts were mostly about how do I explain that to them? Because there'll be some lack of understanding on somebody's part along the way there. Did somebody ask? Not yet. Okay. Do you expect them to? Eventually. Okay. Yeah. Eventually somebody probably would ask, what does that mean? Because what, what happens in, in my in my understanding in heteronormative relationships, there's this ideal, especially in Christianity, probably some other religions of a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. And so then if somebody is talking about anything outside that, the other person in the relationship might be bothered by that and upset. If you look at it, technically, the idea is there. And I think that quite typically, males have not adhered to that. And there was, there has been many periods of time and still in some some places that it's not a big deal that some guy is running around. Well, yeah, that's clearly one element of the patriarchy that men are expected to be promiscuous and women are expected to be committed and monogamous. But you you see that that your friends or family might express concern because they that would be their mindset. Yeah, that would be their mindset. And I see what you're saying, you know, women are expected to be monogamous and 
And I think currently that's not as prevalent as it was even 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But there is sometimes still that pressure in a marriage or relationship of the people are not good at anything outside of the monogamy, even though they're struggling with the monogamy. So, Which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But also, if you're struggling with monogamy, then you fix the relationship. You don't... You're just so practical. Well, you see, don't understand people. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, if I was struggling with our relation, are we struggling with monogamy? I, I don't, don't... No. I don't think so. No. And that's the thing. Like, if we were struggling in our relationship, that would be the last time for me to go and seek another partner. Right. And I know that and you know that, which is good. Yes. But um, yeah, I think it can confuse people and it should be interesting if somebody asks or if they just think it's some weird dream thing and skip over it. What would your explanation be if someone does ask? Well, you know, because of my profession, which is, you know, not something I get away from in the rest of my life. <laughs> um, As a mental health professional. I tend to try to speak that person's language. Mm-hmm. So depending on what, you know, what their, what the, who the person was. Okay. Like with my aunt or, and with any of them, I might talk more about how things are not like they were then, and then try to get them to look at really how we are in our culture and what the pressures are. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the cultural pressures that go into monogamous expectations are unrealistic and people are not mature enough to deal with either side of it. Mm -hmm. So then they either try to adhere to it and succeed or don't succeed and have other problems with it. So anyhow. I, I find it interesting and somewhat amusing that your response to most people's inquiries, like you said, your aunt or your sister or anyone, you know, in your family, especially, but um, your your first thought is to go into a cultural explanation instead of just saying, yeah, my wife is polyamorous. Well, that's what I was thinking of in explaining to them that things are not the culture they were fed. Right. The world is not the culture they were fed. And this is how things are out in the world. And people do things differently if they can be mature enough to do so. And even if they can't be, they do it anyway. Well, yeah. But, but I don't have that expectation of you. I have the expectation you will do things maturely. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Sometimes I don't quite feel mature, but... Well, that's just the nature of trying to adult. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's it's funny because I think the other part of that, especially with not so much your family, but with some of our friends who know you as being a naturally monogamous person, would assume that you would also have that expectation of a partner. Right. And not knowing that that, that was not my expectation because that was not your what you were bringing to me with yourself. We had that discussion early on when we were dating. Yes. My expectation is that I am most likely to just stay monogamous because it is easier for me. Yes. And I think that does have a lot to do with being a trans guy mm -hmm. and not having that feeling of freedom in my body and sexual expression or otherwise. So there's a lot, there's just a lot to deal with that would be too much trouble. Right. You know, whereas I think as if I, if I was a, a cis male, 
I probably would have done most of the running around most cis men do if they can mm-hmm. because testosterone yes, and patriarchal culture. And I remember when you were first transitioning and first experiencing the effects of testosterone and telling me that you just wanted to bend random women over chairs and... <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird thing. And I was like, dude, go for it. And you were <laughs> like, what? <laughs> no, I can't because I there's whole other expectations on mm-hmm. their end and Oh yeah, yeah. inabilities on my end and yeah, so that kept me from paying a lot of child support. Hello, right? friggin' Luya. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, it's it's interesting to to think of what that looks like from the outside because I mean you and I we only have our own viewpoint and maybe it's just the way I'm made but I often either I overthink about how everybody could possibly interpret something I'm going to say and then rehearse it a million times in my head and revise it a million times on the page or I completely don't even think about it because I'm pretty clearly only talking to a certain audience. You have blind spots. I do. We all do. But I do. Yeah, you do. You do. And so I totally didn't even think about, you know, oh, so-and-so might not realize that we are in well, a mixed orientation marriage or that. But it doesn't matter, you know. Right. Because I mean, when you do say something and you didn't consider all the things, you usually get some feedback. Mm-hmm. From somebody. Yes. And if I end up with the feedback for you, then I bring it to you. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. So... And I'm not the kind of person who is asinine about receiving feedback. Like, I... It's funny because I'm always... I always feel bad when somebody has to tell me that I've screwed something up because they're always like, I I feel bad that I have to tell you and I don't want to make you feel bad. And I'm like, no, dude, just tell me. Let, Let me fix it. Yeah. Yeah, you are like that. So, um, and you usually say, oh, I never thought of that. Okay. (laughs) I can see how that could happen. And then you figure it out, how it could happen. Mm -hmm. How is it that these people are understanding something else? assimilate yet another worldview into my understanding of how people perceive me and then move on with appropriate adjustments made or not, depending on how much I care about their viewpoint. Yeah. Or how much you understand what you need to adjust. Right. That is also sometimes a challenge, Mm -hmm. especially when you are trying to explain to me what I'm doing that bothers you. For example, surfaces. Yes. (laughs) We had to have a whole discussion the other night for an hour or so about surfaces. It probably was way longer because it took so long to get to it, I'm sure. Well, there's that. But like trying to understand, you know, trying to encourage you to make enough words that I could understand. Yes. That is definitely a challenge. (laughs) But then we were talking about like how I have a colleague at work who is in a polycule, who multiple members of this family have children. Mm -hmm. And in their family, more parents is better parents. I, I think overall, if you have people actually parenting... Well, there's that. Right? Because we have more parents and it's not helpful. But um, <laughs> if you have more people actually parenting, it would be helpful. You would think so. But I but I also know that there's a certain amount of... It's, it's not unusual in blended families of monogamous type relationships or perceived monogamous relationships to have the children from each side that are in that blended family have struggles and that to be um, challenging for the relationship itself. Mm -hmm. 
including the relationship of the family as a whole. Step-parent, step-child relationships can be challenging. Yeah, they can. And we do have some extended family, adopted extended family mm-hmm. people that come in and out yes. of our lives, Um, you know, are, are present or not present, depending on what else is going on. Not to, you know, say just the pandemic, but well. other things like they live out of town, mm-hmm. like my cousin Vinny. Yeah. So if my cousin Vinny was here and said to the kids, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Or if one of their aunties or grandma came over and said, hey, what are you doing? They would stop and, you know, think. I mean, they, they put us off a lot because we're constantly here. Yeah. And I think they've sort of assimilated the interactions of being corrected by us to a point where they don't even have to think about those interactions anymore. They just respond or react depending on their mental state. And these interactions are so rehearsed by this point that even when it's a good reaction, it's just, yep, I know how this is supposed to go. If it's a bad reaction, I'm in a bad mindset, but this pushed the button and I know what to do when that button gets pushed. Or, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of scripted, a lot of previously rehearsed familiar patterns that play out when they hear it from us that they don't have those patterns with other people. Yes. And then with us, depending on which child we are dealing with, there are some barriers to dealing with them. And a lot of that has to do with all the bullshit that went on with the boy's mother and the mess that that, that came out of that because of our temporary separation of the family. Yes. Created more of that than there would have been. Yes. And it looks like we may end up having to deal with more of it again soon. We may. I'm very frustrated with the situation and have to figure out how to talk to this child. And It might be time to go back to therapy. Oh, for Christ's sake. I know, right? Yeah. But anyway. Says the therapist. <laughs> I think he's struggling with school and he's trying to make problems be other places. He, he does that. He mm-hmm. tries to distract from problems that he could be solving by making could be solving. I'm well, shaking my head no. That that he could take responsibility for and engage with the problem-solving process of, I it, should say. That it would be appropriate for him to take responsibility of. He could not. He cause he cannot and he does not. That's part of the, part of the problem. So Yeah. I I, but I, anyhow. I don't like that whole writing it off, but there's not a lot else to do at this point with it. But anyway. Um, no, if you were if you were into just writing things off, you wouldn't have been a teacher. Because <laughs> teachers have to be very persistent. And that's the thing. I cannot reconcile myself to the idea that this kid cannot solve his problems. I have to believe that he's capable with I'm, the right assistance and the right motivation. And we just haven't found the right motivation and the right assistance yet. Well, we keep trying, and there's probably an incremental scale that is hard to see without a really good microscope. And that's the thing. When you're this close to it, it's hard sometimes to notice these changes because they are gradual over time, and it is so slow and incremental, and it's, it's just challenging. It is, which but, is why I'm tired, but you know. It is. And that's why I have a harder time with, I, I don't really give up on trying to make him learn and do the things, but I do feel tired and wish I could. I think you have the ability to separate a realistic expectation from the prescribed expectation. <laughs> which kind of takes us back to our original topic. It takes us back to what people expect and Uh, what 
is realistic and better. Mm-hmm. And see, I wouldn't say that, you know, some people will will say, oh, everybody should be polyamorous. And if you're monogamous, then you're just succumbing to culture. And, and yeah. no, that that's also that, ridiculous. Yes. But I think that it's equally ridiculous to expect people to fit any other mold for you ought to kind of reasons. Right. I agree with that. So it was hilarious because then you saw that Facebook post and then we were talking about it mm-hmm. and you asked me who it was and I said it was a con friend, mm-hmm. which is also hilarious because said con friend, I don't even know if this person is yeah. allosexual or alloromantic right. anyway. Right. And I'm like, why did my brain pick that one? Right. And you said it's not something that had ever occurred to you before with that person. So, Which is also weird because you and I have talked before. I don't know if we've ever talked to the microphone before about how my attraction works. I'm attracted to kind of everybody when I first meet them. Mm -hmm. And generally within three to seven minutes, most people give me a reason to stop being attracted. Yeah, okay. I'm sure that other people are are like that and less aware of it. I'm sure. And they have narrower categories of There's that too. Attractions. That's why I'm pansexual. I'm attracted to everybody. Mm-hmm. Which I know is not literally what it actually means, but that's how it manifests it in me. Mm-hmm. But this one person is somebody who I had never actually like experienced attraction to, mm-hmm. which is really weird because I generally at least experience passing attraction to pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. That said, there's also only really one person who has maintained attraction outside of you. Mm-hmm. And it's somebody who is also asexual, mm-hmm. alloromantic, gray asexual, but I don't think they're into me. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of like... Why does my brain pick these people? Don't ask me. It it was just something that was weird and it was something we discussed. Yeah. Yeah, and then we ended up discussing surfaces. Surfaces. Yeah. <laughs> there were too many things on the surfaces and You I, like I've, I've been stuck in the house. Every surface to be neat and tidy and anything that is set on the surface to either be neatly organized or contained in some sort of basket. Okay, so I would like that, but I have accepted it won't be like that. And I have tried to make a few surfaces like that. Yes. But since we have been stuck in the house... You have to deal with my surfaces being in your line of sight more often. And I like having everything out where I can access it and not neat and tidy and put back into baskets and boxes and empty surfaces. It's called put away. Just saying. But why put things away if you're just going to be using them repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly? If you can have a put place for them that is not away and is accessible. The put away place is a place. But that's not an accessible place because it's away. It is because I know where it is because I put it there. But then I don't know where it is because you put it there. That's why I don't put your things away. (laughs) Thank you. I just leave them there. (laughs) Once you explain to me that you need to see all of them so you know where they are, I thought, okay, I get that. But then that triggers your PTSD from having been in a relationship where somebody wanted all the things, but they weren't actually useful. Whereas I want them all out because I actually use them. Right. And because we live in the West and there's smoke and we have been really, really limited in our... I need to go outside. You do. I don't 
get to, there's been problems with that because of the smoke. And so... It makes all of your triggers a little closer to the surface yeah, and all of your buttons a little bit easier to actuate. It's my outlet. I can go away from all the piles of crap that get everywhere around this house. <laughs> Just piles of things that I don't understand what they're for because I didn't make them and I'm not using them. And a lot of times they don't move for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if something's really happening there. It's true. So I usually just go outside and do something else. You know, move rocks around, <laughs> plant things. You know, they used to use that as like punishment for people. You have to move rocks around and stuff. <laughs> I heard pulling weeds, but you know, I grew up in the Midwest where things actually grow. So um, yeah, I just go outside and do things. Yes, except when it's nasty, smoky, or way stupid hot out or... You can't, and then you're stuck inside, and then you are stuck inside with my spaces that look to you like mess and look like accumulations of too many things. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. And then there's other parts of that of trying to get children to do chores and always looking at some mess that they haven't cleaned up because they haven't done their chores. Mm-hmm. So that that with everything else. Yeah. But it, it's good because like then we talk these things out and this is how we make our relationship work and we do figure it out. And I do make an attempt, albeit not as often as you would probably like, but nonetheless, when you remind me or when you say the clutter is starting to get to me, then I will. Yes. Or if I say, hey, there's two big piles of shoes here. Can one of them have the shoes go where they came from? I'm thinking all the shoe holders are empty. So can't these shoes go there? They were getting in the way of the cooler and trying to run the cooler and mm-hmm. move the cooler. And yeah, so then I ask, please, please, can you move these things to someplace? And when you say that, then I make an effort to like, it's on my to-do list for tomorrow. Today, I had a really busy work day, but it's on my to-do list tomorrow during one of my brain breaks working from home to tidy up a couple of surfaces for mm-hmm. you so that you have something nicer to look at in our bedroom. I appreciate that. Last time you did it, I thought, that's so nice. I wonder why you're doing that. Because because you were being a little extra stir crazy and a little extra just unhappy. Yeah. And I knew that it would please you to have my surfaces look like your surfaces. <laughs> yeah, you have a an ability to make a pile that anybody else, for anybody else that would just tip over and everything would just fall down. And it doesn't. I can does physics. Yeah, I just put things back and I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> I'm still using it. <laughs> So the other thing about the the attraction mm-hmm. and our marriage is the thing that we touched on a little bit earlier, that one more way in which our gender is a little bit sideways, that typically the masculine person is the one who is perceived to be more promiscuous or more thrill-seeking or relationship-seeking or sex-seeking or leaving their socks everywhere. True. Yeah. Or yeah. making messes that the wife then nags them to clean up. Mm-hmm. It is typically in our culture perceived that if somebody's going to be cheating, it's likely to be the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Testosterone. It's very clear. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. But in our relationship, neither of us is cheating. Nope. And it's not the man, or at least not the person who's always a man, <laughs> who is potentially interested in other relationships and who leaves messes to get nagged about. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Whereas the rest of it looks very heteronormative from the outside because you do things like cook food to try to make our children eat it. You used to cook food when we were first together, but your recipes are much more like intricate and time consuming. And I had already gotten into the habit of making 20 minute meals that feed everyone with a protein, a starch and a fiber. Yes. And you do things like ironing and sewing. Although you've done more ironing than me lately. I ironed a couple shirts before we went on vacation. You did? Mm-hmm. They didn't come out looking very ironed. And I used to know how to iron, <laughs> so I don't know what I did. But um, Testosterone, that's what you did. I, I think so. I really do. <laughs> I mean, not that you can't iron a shirt, but anyhow. I didn't think you had done a bad job, but... That's just me. Well, I, I didn't want to use too much heat because it, it said on the label not to do that. Yeah, you had just gotten some fancy wicking, cooling, SPF type shirts. Yeah, I think for it's called trip. UPF when it's fabric, but. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Anything else gendery, heteronormative that you can think of about anything we were just discussing? No, I think that's it. Sweet. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! kind of loud. Am I just not very loud because it's no, late? No, yes, that and is correct. Loud because it's late. <laughs> I am loud because we're recording and that's what it's supposed to be. Okay. You you're quiet because you're running out of steam. Well, that and I'm used to being quiet when we've sent a, a boy to bed. Yes. So, yeah. Sorry. Anyhow, fantastical beings. Fantastical beings. Mhm. Yeah, I think it's called trip. UPF when it's fabric, but... Okay. Yeah, and I don't know the words for it. Hi, I know you're surprised. <laughs> <sighs> I love you. I'm sure you'll look it up when we're done. I probably will. Yes. I will not interrupt our recording to reach over and grab my phone and check it right now. No. I'm saying that mostly to tell myself. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I know that. Sometimes you say, tell me I don't need pizza. And I'm like, do I have to tell you that? I often tell my coworkers to tell me that I don't need Starborg or... Donuts. Donuts. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. Yes, I always want a donut. I never not want a donut. Oh, see, if I could if I could enjoy not gluten-free donuts, I probably would too, but because I have gluten-free donuts, I don't have a desire for donuts very often. You should try gluten-free. You'd lose your donut deal altogether. If my health responded as negatively to wheat as yours did... I might, but yes. it does not. Nope. It's a pretty good no donuts deal, though. There's a few. I don't know what to tell you about that. There's a few that. donuts. That's why I made you cookies. Yes. The cookies were good. Ooh, I forgot about those. Anyway. Anyway. Anything else gendery, heteronormative that you can think of about anything we were just discussing? And let me clarify, I'm asking you to either add a topic or add, tell us we're done. I think we're done. <laughs> That's not how we end the goddamn show. <laughs>
Okay. What am I supposed to do? I forgot. <laughs> Some permutation of that's it. Okay. Got is it. our sign that's off. It. Okay. So <laughs> tell me when to go. Ha, 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 ha.